Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, over the past few weeks, I've been thinking about the topic of attention, what we pay attention to. Uh, We have this habit of being physically present places, but being elsewhere. Our attention is all over the place. It's on a phone. It's thinking about work. It's thinking about friends in another place. It's thinking about anything but where we are. Um, And it got me thinking about just the topic of attention and the need to to develop the the ability to pay attention. So I invited a very patient, thoughtful friend, Brent King, one of the members of our church, to come and and talk about this topic with me. Um, I think you'd be really encouraged by the stuff that Brent had to say, the insights that he brings to this conversation. Uh, and I hope by God's grace it helps us develop our attention span into to patient, uh, thoughtful, sober-minded Christians. Give it a listen. Brent, Hello. how's it going? I'm uh, doing well. Good. Tell us a little bit about yourself, old Brent King, James Brent King. Brent, is it Brent James or James Brent? Uh, interestingly, it's neither. Um, I have four names because my parents gave me four names and decided that if I ever go to the DMV or get any type of paperwork done, they just wanted to make my life as miserable as it could be. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's James and then the initial is D and then Brent King. And I'll leave with the D as a mystery. Okay, I'm not going to press in on that because we want you to remain mysterious. <laughs> so our mysterious guest. Um, it's Donald. Donald. It's Donald, yeah. I love it. <laughs> JDBK. Yep, JDBK. At least you get King James. Well, every time I email someone and it, it shows King James, they always mark it as spam because for some reason they think it's like a Bible company trying to pitch a product or something. Or some LeBron fan club or something. Yeah, exactly. So other than your abundance of names. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How, how long have you been at TCGS, for one? And how do you serve at TCGS? I've been at TCGS, TCGS since, I guess, what we would say is the genesis. You're an OG. Um, you're a TCGS OG. Well, let me rephrase that. The Your original small group at the church at Cherrydale, I was not in. But I was ingratiated into it later and I distinctly remember you and I sitting at your house in Simpsonville and you just said, hey, you're in my small group. You obviously know that this church is starting. We'd love to have you come along. And I was thrilled. <laughs> no, so ever since the beginning, it's been great. I serve um, just with setup. I've been on setup for a while and I was on kids for a long time when we first when Megan and I first got married and then I was off kids for a long while but I've just signed up to be on kids again so excellent I'm gonna be with Megan back with back in the kids for yeah yep. that's great and for those who don't know who are listening to this um, Megan Brent's wife is the one who does our kids worship guides yep so every week we have a worship guide unique to that Sunday so it's not it's not some kind of thing we mass produce it's a worship guide unique to that Sunday for the third, fourth, and no, the the fourth and fifth graders who stay in our worship service to help them engage. Yeah, she loves it. Um, I already know every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night um, for a little while she's going to be she she will need the laptop. We share a laptop. 
So I know <laughs> for, awesome. for at least a little while on those nights, she'll need the laptop because she's creating kids' guides. That's so good. Uh, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm just entered my third year teaching at a school called Shannon Forest. It's a private Christian school. It's probably about 30 minutes from where we sit now here in Greer, and it's on Garlington Road between Pelham and Woodruff Road, and I like it. What like do you it. teach? I teach, I, I learn the kids English. No, I teach English. <laughs> um, so yeah, I teach. English good. Yeah, I learn them good. Um, I teach 8th through 12th literature. I teach AP language starting this year, senior composition class. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your what's the what's your favorite book that you get to teach? You get to teach the kids. I, I really enjoy when ninth and tenth graders get to read Julius Caesar because there's just so much we talk about with it, um, and Shakespeare's language is always really difficult with them. But if they can get over the hump of understanding the language, then they really start to understand character, thematic things the political issues in the text, all those good things. So it's a lot of fun. That's great. You sound like an English teacher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here, here's your surprise question. What's your favorite episode of the weekly? Favorite episode of the weekly? <laughs> I have a feeling that it's going to be... <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be... Um, you know, the one with the Harpers is in the pipeline. That's the one that I'm going to be listening to. But I'm trying to yeah. shame you. I'm trying to out you. Yes, it's trying to shame me. I laid prostrate in front of Trevor before the this episode and admitted to him that I have yet to listen to one and he told me that he was deeply offended. So. Yeah, very much so. Deeply offended. Oh, uh, that was you, that was great. Are you what gonna, you just did was great. Yeah. Are you gonna listen to this episode? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. I've kinda gotten used to this point at hearing my own voice and it, it's generally pretty dreadful and, you know, kind of reduces me to tears every time. Exactly. Um, and just like that's what I'm afraid of. That's why I'm not going to listen to. Yeah, it's it's pretty miserable, but it's it's good. It's good to listen to yourself, especially if you're in a, a career where you do a lot of talking. You want to hone your ability to communicate things well. It's helpful to yep to self critique. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, there are teachers who film themselves teaching and then put it up on YouTube, and that just terrifies me. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's difficult. It really is a, a difficult thing to. To watch yourself do that but it, i mean in, in some ways it's kind of an act of like loving your neighbor because you're like i'm going to make myself endure what other people are having to endure and i want to make sure that i'm yes not being a bozo or yeah that's yeah, right and just rambling care for them by making sure that i'm attentive to yeah my mm. presentation and all that um so i thought it'd be kind of an interesting topic for us uh to spend a couple of minutes talking around attention the idea of our attention. Sure. Um, I was thinking about this for a couple of reasons. One, um, in our Seven Deadly Sins series, we, we recently talked on sloth uh, or asadia. Um, and we said that sloth or asadia is, we, we typically think about it as just laziness. And that's very much a piece of that. But in addition, sloth is kind of a boredom. It's sort of a boredom of the heart to the world. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Beginning with Christ and then kind of extending to his 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 work and his world, just kind of meh, kind of a posture of meh towards everything. Um, and one of the uh, unfortunate, I guess, downstream side effects from a, a slothful kind of bored existence is a, a retreat into kind of um, 
low-hanging fruit sort of pleasures and amusements. Sure, yeah. Um, like Twitter, maybe. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, or... Flappy Birds. Flappy Birds, <laughs> or um, the, one of the bubble-popping games where you shoot the bubble, the red bubbles that match the red bubbles, and all the red bubbles pop, and you're trying to, you know... Oh, yeah. One mm-hmm. of those. Or, yeah. or any, any, like, innumerable amounts of iPhone games. Right. Um, uh, so I want to talk about the topic of attention for that reason, because it kind of relates to the seven deadly sins. But I also want to talk about the topic because in our day and age, we live in what's been called an attention economy, which is to say that the loudest, flashiest, most attention-grabbing things are the things that make money. And so we inhabit a world that is literally vying for your eyeballs. Just everything at all times is saying, over here, over here, over here, over here, look at me. And there's so much stuff that it's just the loudest, most like conspicuous things that get our attention. And there's just a lot of noise and there's a lot to have to sort through. And right. these apps that are scientifically engineered for attention, you know, we, um, those games that we download, uh, we download them for free. And the way that they make money is by keeping us on those games. And so they have mastered being addictive and sucking us in. And that's yeah. how they make their money. Well, they have psychologists working on it too. And that's just petrifying mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. So, uh, let me ask this. So when we think about attention, two questions. The first question is this. Um, what do we mean by attention? If we were kind of to define attention, how could we define that? How could we kind of begin to unpack what it is? Um, talk around that for a second. Um, see if we can find a definition somewhere. Um, and then second, um, why is it so hard to pay attention to stuff? Yeah, good questions. For a definition of attention, I don't know if I could give a dictionary definition, but I think it has to do with focus, maybe. Um, you know, you when we were discussing before this, you, you gave a, an analogy or an etymology of attention, so why don't you say that really quickly, so, and I'll... I want to say because I really want to say something about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, the the origin of the word I, th- I think it has to do with Latin that uh, our English word attention is kind of taken from this Latin word, um, and the idea that's wrapped up in the Latin word is that of something being stretched. So, like the analogy that I thought of was when you have a tape measure and you're measuring something by yourself and you hook one end to like a bookcase or something like that, and then you walk to the other side of the room. And it fixes on something on the bookcase, and then it extends out as you walk across the room. That's kind of the idea of, or the etymology of the word attention is, there's something that's being fixated on outside of you, and then you're kind of being stretched by the thing that's outside of you. It's kind of stretching your attention out, or or in a way kind of pulling you out of you. And so it's a a way of, well, what, what, what did you want to say about that? Well, I think what's interesting about that is with attention, there's some type of movement of something that moves to the external, something outside of you, um, like stepping back with the tape measure hooked on something. It's it's stretching forth from you toward an object. Okay, so if we talk about attention, there, there's an object attached to your attention. Yeah, um, it's pointing to, pointed towards something. Mm-hmm. And so the hard thing in our culture today is 
refining our attention so that it's pointed toward the good things Mm. and it's not just pacified and it's not just scrolling on twitter or playing video games for three hours or watching netflix all night um there's something about attention that something outside of yourself and and maybe eve it's even maybe your attention is on yourself but you're you're focusing on yourself as if you're gazing upon yourself but there's always an object with it, and so the question is, what is your attention oriented toward? Yeah, and what's the um, that you mentioned a moment ago that it's kind of interestingly you have these students, these ninth and tenth graders who right. have a really difficult time, yeah, figuring out Shakespeare, um, and spending thirty minutes is excruciating. Yeah. Uh, well, what's interesting is I find that many of the times and this is by no means every student and this is by no means a certain I mean a certain student might be this way on a certain day but not the next day but I find that a lot of times students have relatively short attention spans they're here with me and then they're looking at the wall or they're paying attention to what they're reading and then they'll admit they just read a passage but they were actually thinking about what mom's gonna cook for dinner that night and they tell me all the time it's it's hard to focus but yet a lot of the times kids will spend three hours playing video games that night and so it's almost like it's not that their attention spans short it's that their attention span is constantly it's on a battlefield and it's being tugged in different directions or it's it's being um, I'm grasping for a way to say it it's almost like they, they don't have short attention spans, but it's just there's just difficulty in finding good things to latch their attention to. Right. It's almost like the habit of the the cultivated habit of focusing on something that doesn't gratify immediate desires or is not just simply pass their brain's not simply just passive as they're scrolling or watching, then it's it's hard for them to engage with it for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, that's good and totally relatable. It's sure. not just ninth graders. No, nope. it's me. It's yeah. me too. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, some of that. I mean, some of that is just the 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 byproduct of kind of the noisy age that we live in. It like it takes effort to pay attention to the good things. I mean, and that's always been um, a virtue to cultivate is paying attention to good things. Yep. Um, but it seems like it's especially, it's like we're, we're not starting at a neutral standpoint, like just by nature of kind of the noisy world we live in, we're already like in the negative. We already have to overcome a lot of noise to even like arrive at the good thing to begin cultivating attention to those good things. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it very much so. It's almost like it's easier to cultivate the habit for me of surfing the internet when I get home on my phone or what have you. It's easier to cultivate that habit than to cultivate a habit of, say, focusing on something that's more difficult but also more rewarding. Mm. So what, what, what's the benefit? I mean, why, why not... Why work to like understand Shakespeare? And why why work to attach our attention to good things? Why why not just yeah, spend yeah. our days like mindlessly scrolling through sure. Instagram and Twitter? Why not just play Flappy Birds yeah. for hours on end? I think that's a really good question. Um, 
And the uh, let me give you a short answer, and then I'll expound on the short answer a little bit. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So I think the short answer is that cultivating healthy habits of attention is really important for us Christians in living the moral life. Okay. Um, living the life in which we've been redeemed by grace, and now we're trying to live in Christ-likeness or what have you. Um, so that's the short answer. It's important for living the moral life as a Christian. Um, and if it be okay, I wanted to read a passage really quickly that I think coalesces well with the idea of attention. Yeah. Okay. So I brought this book by a guy named Oliver O'Donovan. The name of the book is Self, World, and Time. And it's just a book about um, theology and ethics. And when you asked me to talk about attention, I don't know why, but I really thought about this passage that I read from him a while back. So I'll just read it, and then I'll say what I think he's getting at and why it might be important for attention. And he starts off, he says, well, he's talking about being awake, sort of this present-mindedness that attention requires. Let us say we awake to our moral experience in the beginning. What seems like the beginning is not really a beginning at all. We wake to find things going on and ourselves going on in the midst of them. The beginning is simply the dawning of our consciousness, our coming to, to what is already happening and to how we are already placed. It would be nice to test the ground of morality before we step on it. But to all such proposals, there is one inevitable reply. They come too late. Already we are asking questions about our actions and obligations. Already we are contesting the reasons for acting in this way or in that way. The scientific starting point, whatever it may have been, is far behind us and beyond our field of vision. It is a reasonable ambition, of course, to situate moral awareness within the wider scheme of things, to identify its presuppositions and its function in the world. But one must begin with it where it is to be found, which is where we find ourselves active subjects caught up already in the middle of things, sort of this idea of being in medias race or whatever. And I think what O'Donovan's getting there, getting at there is that as we grow up from childhood to adolescence and adulthood, it's not like when we're a kid we one day wake up and we think to ourselves, you know what, today I'm going to try to figure out morality, I'm going to try to figure out what is good morality, what is bad, um, and today I think I'm going to finally start participating in morality. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's almost as if we wake up one day and all of a sudden we're mindfully awake and aware of the fact that we're already caught up in this web of action. We're already mingling with people, committing actions that affect other people. It's almost like we wake up to the fact that we're already moral agents who do things and those have effects on people. And the thing is, is we can either lean more into that through cultivating healthy habits of attention, cultivating the habit of being more awake. Uh, O'Donovan says becoming wider awake, mm-hmm. noticing more and more how our affections, how our actions affect people, um, how what we do has consequences and things like that. Or we can just sort of pacify ourselves and just scroll or just play a game. Or just do things that are trivial and not not lean into cultivating attention toward the good things. And in that sense, almost sort of, you said it earlier, sort of 
increasingly deaden ourselves and our awareness to the world, um, sort of become less awake to the power we have to help people meet needs or to do a kind act or to, to help someone out or to just notice people and the fact that we're already living our lives with people and we can either um, do things that help others or not, to put it in lamest terms, I guess. Yeah, that, that's really good. That, that's really helpful. It actually makes me think of a, there's a David Brooks book that just came out called The Second Mountain. Have you heard of this? I no, I haven't. He, he's a, he, I think writes for the New York Times, um, and he's he's kind of um, carved out a niche writing on morality in our day and age. Oh yeah. Um, and the Second Mountain is a book that's about basically every person. I haven't read it. I've just listened to podcasts. Oh so. sure. Podcast about a podcast. It, the, the Second Mountain is a, every every person um, at some point in their life arrives at the peak of a second mountain where they kind of have this realization that the world is not for them and about them sure and that there's other people that they have either responsibility for or an obligation to or have um you know an accountability to yeah and, and that yeah and that that part of that's attention yeah just just cultivating and paying attention yeah it, and in some ways and in some ways it's like you can't even that's being a christian yeah. It's like part of being a Christian is sort of, uh, you know, when, when, when we repent and believe the gospel, the idea is that we've kind of become people of light in a world of darkness. We've been woken up. Um, and, and at least part of that is waking up to the reality that, uh, you know, I'm, I am morally obligated before a holy God and something has to be done about my sin. Um, sure, but, absolutely. But, but also, like, there's other people around me that there, there are selves outside of me. There's, there's people outside of me who's... Like story and experiences are just as real as mine. That are um, who have who have ex, you know experiences and, and emotions and and my actions have an effect on them. And I can either like be attentive to that or I can just scroll yeah. instead. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say something really quick. When I said attention is important for living the moral life, you know this. What I don't mean is that living the moral life with the end of attaining salvation. Yeah. Jesus Christ attained our, gave us our salvation. That's right. Yeah, free, free grace. What I mean is, attention is important to the moral life, so that we can respond to that grace well. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. That does. Yeah, I mean, something that I said. Um, I mean, we're recording this on a Thursday, and you're probably listening to this after I said it. But something I'm going to be saying on Sunday that I probably already said on Sunday <laughs> is. Um, I referenced the Heidelberg Catechism. The first question is, what's our only hope in life and death? Yeah. And it's that I belong body and soul to Jesus. Yeah. And um, one of the things I said was it's like, like we're either, um, we're either eating to this ice cream cone to the glory of God or we aren't. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's kind of an, att- an attentiveness that, that that's required to that. Yeah. Kind of at every moment I am orienting myself, kind of, not, not in kind of the below the clouds, experience of things but i understand and i'm attentive to the fact that i am a part of you know what god's doing across the ages and that i'm yep i'm, I'm living in a world that comes from god's fingertips and, yeah um, and, and the the present mindedness the attentiveness in that situation is not that as every bite you take you're saying thank you jesus for this ice cream it's, it's not that it's just the the awareness the the present mindedness 
in which you know that you're not just eating ice cream. Yeah. You're not just eating ice cream. Yeah, that's good. You're living in what you like to say, the, the true story of the whole world, yeah. and you're eating ice cream for the glory of God. Yeah, and it makes me think of uh, when Jim Slice uh, preached a couple of weeks back in Colossians. He quoted Lewis, where Lewis has that great quote about the fact that you've, you're, you're never interacting with mere mortals. There's no boring people. Like, every every person is a miracle. Right. Uh, every moment is a miracle in a way, and and you can you can kind of overstate that and make it silly, but but I think that there's a, a kind of attentiveness that um, is required in order to see and think of the world in that way, um, and in some ways that's kind of the remedy to sloth, is right is, is waking up. Yeah, it it it's waking up to the true story of the whole world and the fact that. Everything you do has significance within that story, okay? So um, even the trivial things like just taking a meal to someone who's just had a kid or something like that. Mm. Waking up to the significance of that, um, and it it cultivates even more meaning in your life. Mm. You know, we mentioned Megan making those, um, the kids' worship guides each week. Yeah. And... I was actually reflecting on this probably two weeks ago. Um, it is very possible that when some of these kids are adults, one of the one of the formative things that they'll point to in their childhood about like learning to love the church and learning to love Jesus are those worship guides. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and she um, would be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> yeah, but and you know probably I would imagine the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday where she's doing it, and you said she loves it, but you know I'm sure it it can become drudgery like any kind of repetitive task or you know it becomes tedious and boring after a while um you know but i mean god has and and is going to use that and um even if they're if a hundred sundays pass and it's like no kids take that thing seriously but if but if you know one particular sunday like the setting is you know just right and the circumstances is just right that something about the way something's worded makes something click for one of those kids like that's a, I don't know. That's powerful, and so the kind of the yeah. attention to that task and attention to the importance of what that can do, um, yep. uh, is um, incredibly um, empowering. Kind of in the midst of what can become tedious and, and boring over time. Yeah, does that one, make sense? One hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, man, we could keep going, but we've already um, we're pushing. 27 minutes here. Wow. You didn't lie. The 20 minutes goes quickly. <laughs> Brent was a little nervous, but I told him the 20 minutes would pass in a hurry. And it did. It did. Can I say one last thing Please. before we go? Um, and I don't know how... I'd love... If someone listens to this, please come tell me the significance of this. But it's interesting in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying and he leaves the disciples and they fall asleep and he comes back. Jesus is basically like, why are you slumbering now? It's not the time for slumber. Wake up. Wake up. And be on watch lest you fall into temptation. And it almost seems like Jesus is saying, now's not the rest time. Wake up. Be attentive. Be on watch lest you fall into temptation. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think there's something there. Mm. Yeah, That's good. I think of... Um multiple times in the New Testament when the church is called to be sober-minded I think there's kind of a that's kind of a call to pay attention absolutely to, to wake up and not not um, deaden ourselves in amusement which someone pointed out to me that the phrase to muse on something is to think amusement is not thinking 
Huh. Never occurred to me. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. So there you go. Yeah. English lessons for you, English teacher. Mm, the irony. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, well, speaking of attention, listener, thank you for giving us some attention now for the better part of a half hour. Um, yep. We hope this was encouraging. Um, hope it was edifying. Hope that it was enlightening. Um, and hope that it kind of woke you up a little bit. Um, you know, maybe by God's grace, it... Um, this conversation will enable you to pay closer to uh, attention to the, the the tedious and the mundane and the ordinary things that he has called you to. So, thanks for listening. Um, if you have not yet rated or subscribed or shared, please do so. Um, I hope it was encouraging. Brent, thanks again for being on. Yeah, loved it. Thank you.